world that's always changing, there is one thing that never changes, God's unchanging word. And now, from God's Unchanging Word Studios in New Orleans, we are pleased to bring you news, nuggets, and insights with today's host, Tom Carey. Well, greetings, everyone, and welcome to God's Unchanging Word in another edition for our news, nuggets, and insights. And today is Friday, February 18th, 2022, and we have got a really powerful program, very important program today. So I'm going to get right into it. We're going to begin with the coming economic tsunami. What does $30 trillion looks like? We crossed into that $30 trillion mark about two weeks ago. Today, we're going to show you what it looks like and what you might be able to buy for just a mere trillion dollars. Then we're going to get into the, the potential of a new axis of evil. Is history repeating itself? Very important segment today. And then we're going to finish up with the pale horse. This is a view from actually 1976 on the view of pestilence. Back then, the church was talking about somewhere 30 years, 40 years down the road, we're talking about these events were taking place. Are we at those events today? I'm going to show you that, what the church taught from 1976. All right, let's get right into our program. But we're going to begin with something just a little bit more upbeat. Jesus said, we must become as little children before we can enter the kingdom of heaven. So we've got a video here of little children and true joy. Let's play that video, Jeff. Starting tomorrow, we don't have to wear masks anymore! That's true joy. I mean, how do you how do you top that? Children with them, that natural emotion and excitement that they finally don't have to wear a mask. We're going to be like that here in New Orleans when they finally say you don't have to wear a mask anymore, just like the little children. All right, this coming economic tsunami. So today we're going to we're going to show you something about the U.S. debt that just topped thirty trillion dollars. It's hard to fathom what that looks like thirty trillion dollars. So. We've actually got two videos. The first video is just a little over a minute long to show you what you can get if you had a trillion dollars. Let's play that. Thanks to the current bailout, trillion is the new billion. When you look at it, it doesn't seem all that big, but it's a huge number. What's the economic impact of a trillion bucks? Imagine this. For a trillion dollars, you can buy a $3 latte every day for 900 million years. A trillion dollars is greater than the Australian GDP. It's enough to buy up every stock on the Toronto Stock Exchange. With a trillion dollars, you can fund the militaries of all the NATO countries combined. Or you can pay for all American military actions since 9-11. It's twice the cost of the New Deal, ten times the cost of the Marshall Plan. It can cover every rent check in the U.S. for three years. Buy every home that foreclosed in 07 and 08. Send the U.S. on an 11-week vacation or run the entire federal government for over three months. A trillion dollars can go a long way. The amazing thing is, a trillion dollars is only one-tenth of the current bailout. Can you imagine that? That's only one-tenth of the, of the bailout? One-tenth. One trillion dollars. But we're at $30 trillion in actual debt. We still owe over $170 trillion of long-term debt. 
So what does $30 trillion looks like? Now, this is a little more serious. The next video is going to show you up to $20 trillion first at 2017, but then it's going to move into $30 trillion. About two minutes long. Let's play that video. You can't imagine the actual amount that that is. 
that's actual computer generated for realistic comparison in sizes of stacks of $100 bills. $100 bills, $30 trillion. If you notice the difference between the 20 and the 30, they put a football field inside of there as they continue to add stacks. And our debt continues to climb, and there's no way to pay it off. All right, let's move on. Something very serious now, the age now that we're looking at tomorrow. And so I looked at the news, say, well, what time tomorrow? Interesting when you think about what's going on about that. World Watch, all right? Peace, peace, when there is no peace. God tells us, Jeremiah, through Jeremiah, that we'd be at a time at the end of days, and I'm talking about this in the series, I'll show you at the end of our program today, I'll be doing part two in the book of Jeremiah, showing how the former and the latter is all lining up today for our lifetime of actually what's taking place. The new axis of evil will take place before the coming. Is, is there going to be a new axis of evil like it was in World War II? We're looking at Russia right now as Russia stands right on the verge of beginning a new war. Will China attack Taiwan? We've seen that happen in World War II and World War I. When one nation attacks another because of the instability, another nation will take advantage of that instability and begin to move into where they want to take control of. And let's not forget Iran as they continue to push for the nuclear weapon and say that if they get it, they will destroy Israel. God tells us at the end time to watch for armies surrounding Jerusalem. So we know that all these things are leading up to, but wait till you see the chart that I'm showing you now with a pipeline you probably never heard of before, and I'm going to talk about that in just a couple minutes. Let's talk about the peace. Global Peace Index 2021 reveals a year of civil unrest. This is from the Vision of Humanity report. During a seemingly never-ending pandemic, a new trend emerged in the Global Peace Index in 2021, a large increase in civil unrest and political instability. They went on to say that these or underlying tensions will only be magnified as the financial pressures ease and the COVID remains, which is likely to lead to increased instability. So we're looking at now in 2022, and there's no doubt that around the world is growing, growing more unstable as we speak. So let's take a look at something else that's pointing to this time, 2021, and the doomsday clock stuck at 100 seconds to midnight, scientists say, and this is the third year in a row that it has taken place. The doomsday clock is reset each January, remains at 100 seconds to midnight for the third year in a row. Now, by the way, as you didn't know, that is the shortest span of time to hit midnight. When they talk about midnight, they're talking about the end of humanity. When this began in 1950, it was at seven seconds. By, by 2000, it went back to seven seconds, and we've been getting shorter and shorter and shorter ever since. The world remains stuck in an extremely dangerous moment, the scientists say, the ones who set the clock, who monitor what's going on around the world. This is the Peace Index. Now, you might want to, when you see this program, freeze it here so that you can look at that chart on the bottom and see what the color scheme for all of these is. They're talking about 87 nations had improvements there in the blue, 73 had deteriorations, but overall, it changed, got worse by seven-tenths. And they said, well, this is a good sign. But not when you look at what happened in 2020 
that it got a little worse in 2021, now 2022 shows up. So let's take a look at those nations that say they got better during 2021. We got Canada, we got Europe, and you got Australia. Now take a look at those nations, all right? Look at that color scheme. They say they got more peace in 2021. These are the three nations, these three circles that I've got. Those nations now in 2022 have a lot more unrest. Have you seen what's going on in Canada lately? Just yesterday, Trudeau has just filed for an emergency powers act to control the entire government. Shut down bank accounts. If you try to help them truckers, they're going to seize your bank account. We're going to talk more about that next week. This is an interesting fact of what's taking place because you see, it could happen right here in the United States in the future. Something we need to take a look at. But now let's look at 2022 and I've just moved my circles of things to look for. Because you see, they're talking about unrest in the South. When 2021, we've seen over 2 million illegal aliens migrate into the United States and been absorbed. 2 million. And we haven't seen the end of it yet. 2022 now is getting worse than 2021. They're showing by the tens of thousands every single month with no end in sight was taking place. But how about this? This is something you probably hadn't seen before. Is the Biden administration kills the Israeli, Israel to Europe gas pipeline. Have you even heard about it? This pipeline has been in production and ready to go for almost 10 years. This came out this morning on the 15th from Gatestone. They're talking about the concern now of what's taking place of him killing that pipeline and how hypocritical that was. That when President Biden took office a year ago, 13 months to be almost to be exact, 13 months ago, is that the first thing he did that began to create all this instability, which began to skyrocket prices and move things up to shut down some pipelines, is the main pipeline from Canada into the United States. And the very first act he signed, signed it to kill that pipeline. Just months later, he opened up the Russian pipeline. So when we look from here, we see Russia moving into Europe. They begin to control the gas. This was something that President Trump was able to bypass Germany and to send it around into Europe itself without having any controls. Now, now we have an end time scenario beginning to line up down here. Let's suppose now that Europe can't get its gas from Russia through Germany anymore. So they're beginning to be able to have a secondary route to be able to supply them with the fuel that they will need for difficult times coming from Israel of all places. Two scenarios are rising up. We know the Bible talks in prophecy about a king of the south pushing against the king of the north and king of the north pushing back against the king of the south. There's one more scenario that's even more critical is at the very end time, God talks about when you see armies surrounding Jerusalem, then you know that end is getting near. So we're into those scenarios right now. So now, will Russia attack Ukraine? Is that going to set off World War III? When you look at prophecy, it doesn't appear that that's going to be the case, at least not yet. The, the scenario of Gog, Russia and China, Magog, showing up in warring is a later prophecy scenario, not an early scenario. So what we're looking at now is just going to, I believe, going to continue to, to destabilize the world. He can still go in, but it, I don't believe it will create World War III. By the way, did you hear Putin? He used the N-word. He, he did, the N-word, nuclear. 
nuclear. <laughs> Get your mind off of the racial for just a second, right? That's a horrible word. He said, we hate to have to use the nuclear bomb. Well, that's the first time that a president of a country talked about bringing it into a war in decades. Interesting when you begin to look at what is going on. I actually talked about this about a year ago in a sermon I gave is what's happening to America? Is history repeating itself? It was about 10 months ago. Years ago, we'd be able to look at prophecy. We'd say somewhere down the road, 20, 30, 40 years down the road, these things will probably take place. But now we're moving things so fast that you can actually show you now, and I will answer this question, is history repeating itself? Absolutely. So when I show you this, these are actual slides. I didn't change them out of this, this sermon. I just brought them in pieces of that sermon. I don't have time to do the whole sermon. But brought in segments of it today to show you how the history is repeating itself. And this is what God promised that we need to look at. He said there will be a former and a latter. He said, I will show you beforehand to tell you what I'm going to do at the end. We're at one of those stages in time right now. So let's take a look and answer that question. So to do that, I'm going to take you back 100 years. I'm bringing you back into the 1920s. America was called the Roaring Twenties. Things were good in America. The war was over. They finished their pandemic of 1919 and 1920. People seemed to have a lot of money. The stock market was growing. In fact, they almost thought it was, as this headline says, it was invincible, like there's never any end to what's going on. They thought that in 2021 about our stock market, too. 2022 now has brought in a very serious decline. Has many people concerned that we're in another bubble, just like we were in 2008. And in 2000, with the, stock, with the uh, uh, Internet and how it was growing, with the bubbles that they had back then. So while we were in this invincible state, the rest of the world, it was a decade of unrest and uncertainty. Japan's wartime boom had ended in 1920. Their economy had suffered a series of recessions through the 20s. And it was made worse by the great Kento earthquake of 1923, which devastated Tokyo and Yokohama and caused 140,000 deaths. It was also the decade that Japan began giving the government control to its generals. It's never good when a nation decides we're going to go militarily wise to control our nation to set forth our policy. Every nation that, done that has done that has never ended really well. So in 1920s, the China began to grow and to begin to invade into other parts of the world, particularly China and Manchuria. It laid the foundation for its attack in 1931 to, to Manchuria and then in 1937 into China itself, which is actually pre-war. So what we're looking at now, other nations just like they were back then, positioning themselves to be able to take advantage when the weakness comes of other nations, when nobody's going to be able to stop them from obtaining what they want for their control. Very similar to what we're looking at with Russia right now. And China is sitting on the wings saying if Russia does attack the Ukraine, will China make its advancement into Taiwan? So the whole world waits to see who's going to jockey for position. By the way, let's not forget North Korea over there shooting its missiles off again seeing where it wants to go next. During that same time in Italy, Benito Mussolini began to, his dynasty to originally, as a 
Socialist Party and a journalist of the Advante. In 1912, he became a member of the national or the national director of the Italian Socialist Party. Here we are again here in the United States. Now we have what's people declaring the Democratic Socialist Party. That's their title, not mine. It's not a put down. That's what they actually say. And that's what they're calling themselves in many of their circles. A socialist party, a socialist nation has never ended well either. From when you look at history, following World War I, Benito Mussolini took power by 1922 and he ruled as a fascist dictator by 1925. The interesting thing about that, that while he was out ruling, Adolf Hitler sat in prison and he was inspired by what he saw from that socialist who became a dictator running his country in 1924. So Hitler sat in prison while Mussolini was jockeying for control, while Japan was moving into the east, setting itself up to be able to control and get their resources from the other countries through war. So while he's writing Mein Kampf, all the world was beginning to change. Germany, during the 20s, the German people continually remained in a recessed economy because of the Treaty of Versailles. For those who don't know what that treaty was, it was reparations. You know, Germany had caused this much damage to the rest of the world. They need to pay for this. Well, they got their reparations, and they had to pay back out of their, their rebuilding from the war year after year after year. Well, it left them no money for the people to grow their economy, so the people were in a recessed state year after year after year. What did it do? They began to say, we need a better government and we need a strong man. So they cried out for a champion to save them. Well, looking back 100 years, we know who that was, Adolf Hitler. He regrouped the Nazi party the year he got out of prison. By 1929, in just four short years, he began to ascend into power with the failing of, of America because of the, the uh, Great Depression, the stock market crash, and then the Dust Bowl setting here in America, all of these things began to take place. They used that advantage of a weak nation to rise into power, and nobody could stop them. By 1933, he had total control of Germany. These things seemed to move fast in the 20s, not near as fast as they're moving today. The world was on the verge of a major eruption, very similar to today, like we're looking at here, the clock, that 100 seconds to midnight. The doomsday clock, is, they said this was a year ago I wrote this. The doomsday clock now is closer to midnight than ever in its history. This was from the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, that worsening nuclear threat and lack of climate action and the rise of cyber-enabled disinformation campaigns all coming into play in our lifetime. All of these things were lining up. The ACLJ says that we are now on the brink of war, talking about the jihadists attacking into Israel. They get the nuclear weapon. Who knows where the world will go next? Hamas terrorists, emboldened by President Biden's weakness and betrayal of Israel, launched over 600 rockets into Jerusalem. Now, this is not a long time ago. How long has President Biden been in office? 13 months. As soon as he got in office, Hamas began to attack knowing that they would not be stopped. Some 4,300 rockets fired from Gaza during that fighting for that little skirmish back then. Moscow began to reject the U.S. ransomware attacks and its claims. Russia began to attack our cyber and controlling many of the things that we were doing from Russia just a year ago. 
And look what Isaiah said. God prophesied that it would happen. He said, now, go to, I'll tell you what I will do in my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. In the past, we thought about just the borders. By 2001, they did break the borders down and came in and brought down the Twin Towers. Remember that. But now we're in the cyber area. Now we're talking about China, talking about Russia, who can actually infiltrate our, our government spyware and control what's going on in America from their country. And that wall, it's amazing in computers, they call it a wall. You have to have a wall to protect yourself. That wall has come down and they've been able to go in and infiltrate and begin to create serious issues right here in America. The 20s, are we repeating ourselves from the 20s? The only thing that was needed in the 20s and in the world was a trigger. Well, do we have a trigger today? Well, many people think that Russia is going to be that trigger. Well, what was their trigger? So I'm going to tell you about God's plan. By 1924, they had already been seven years into God's plan, and their trigger was already ready to go. Satan was there. He was waiting an opportunity to wreck it all, just like he had done so many times before during the life of Moses and with Jesus. And so when God begins to make his move to fulfill his destiny for mankind, Satan is there to try to take it away. When he brought Moses, what did Satan do? He went to kill all the male babies. At the time of Jesus, kill every male child from two years and under. Well, see, God has a plan for you and I. He's going to come back, and before this world destroys itself, God is going to come back to this planet. He's going to protect it, and he's going to reach out and touch his called-out ones, his children of Israel, about to be born into the kingdom of God. And that's why Satan is so angry right now. Because you see, Satan is there again, just like he was back with Moses and he was with Jesus. And throughout time, beginning with Adam and through that time till now. So now we're looking at the 20s. Let's talk about that just for just a second. We'll talk about that trigger from the, from the 20s. God tells us that there's going to be a season that he calls the fig tree. We've talked about that many times here in our program. We talked about it in the sermon, and I will be talking about it coming again this week in the, in the second part of Jeremiah coming up this Saturday. Matthew 24, <coughs> excuse me, verse 32 says, Now learn the parable of the fig tree. When its branch is yet tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. And so likewise, when you shall see all these things come to pass, that is near even at your doors. And so we're looking now at the, the 20s. And so God's telling us there's a former and a latter, a physical and a spiritual. So what God gave us here at the earlier stages of all these events, it's all lining up exactly like it did. Different players, different nations, same kind of events, same removal of God as it was back then. We're seeing all that taking place again right now. So God says when you see all these things, so he's given us something to look at, to see it again, to know that it's about time. We're at that fig tree season, God says. The beginning of the season of the fig tree, 1917. The year that God returned Jerusalem into the hands of an Israelite nation. It was amazing, that story. You see General Allenby walking into Jerusalem. This event was so important, so critical, because they had been removed from, from Jerusalem, an Israelite nation controlling Jerusalem for 400 years. 
And at the prophecy of Haggai, believe it or not, in the same chapter 2, three times he says that when God begins, these events are going to happen, that on that very day, the Turks moved out. This was the 9th of December. This event was two days later on the 11th. So when the Turks moved out on the 9th, the British moved in, took them two days to set up this event for them to be able to record them going in and taking control of Jerusalem. They've actually got that on a videotape, and we've played that once before. The Ottoman Turks left during the middle of the night after 400 years fulfilling a prophecy and a warning that God said to Abraham thousands of years ago. That prophecy came to fulfillment. That prophecy also comes into play, believe it or not, in our lifetime. There's events that's all taking place. So from 1917 to 1920 was the first of what God uses as seven-year cycles. 25, 1925 was the first year of the second year time cycle. It was also the year that a trigger was unleashed to allow Satan to begin his rule of devastation in America. What was that trigger that took place in 1925? Any idea what that was? If you're at home, try to imagine what it was. So I'm going to show you another couple more seven-year cycles that brings us into World War II before I show you what that cycle is. God's seven-year cycles. First one was 17 to 1917 to 1924. 25 to 31 was the second cycle unleashed the world chaos, which began in Hitler's reign of power by 1933. 32 through 38 began and ended with Kristallnacht. It began with Hitler coming to power and ended with Kristallnacht. What was that all about? God sets up kings, Daniel tells us, and he removed kings. He establishes nations and he removes nations. So here we have in this cycle of seven-year period, it began by bringing Hitler in. By January 1933, Hitler was in control. One of the first things he does is to destroy his own government who opposed him and then go after the Jews. By 1938, it was Kristallnacht that actually began to set in and began to unleash his final solution on mankind. It was a horrible time if you were a Jew anywhere in Germany and eventually anywhere in Europe. It was the extermination of the Jews at that time. All right, moving on. By the end of World War II, approximately 75 million people had died. 75 million people, many of them from starving, from starvation, and from pestilence that began to set in that always follows wars. I'm going to show you that today when we talk about that getting into part two. By the end of World War II, 100 million people had died. 39 to 45, the next cycle, World War II ended and ushered in the nuclear age. The next cycle ushered in the period of Matthew 24 where it was possible to destroy all mankind. You go back through these periods of time and they are, they are recorded in history. And it's unmistakable what takes place. You can try to ex explain many things around them, but eventually you have to come back to there's a reason that God set these periods of times and these events just like they are for us today. What was the event that began to unleash Satan and set the whole world at, at edge? Believe it or not, it was a simple thing of removing God. The question, what if I asked a historian what event triggered World War I? Let's move back one more war now. World War II we're going to come to in just a second. 
What triggered World War I, and can we have a trigger like that today? World War I was triggered, it was called the shot heard around the world. In America, we think of it, the Battle of Lexington, they called the shot heard around the world for us. But worldwide is this. If there ever was a shot heard around the world, it was the shot that killed the Austro-Hungarian heir to the throne, the Archduke Franz Ferdinand in Sarajevo on Bosnia on June 28, 1914. One event, one bullet, killed the next heir. That shot culminated in the unraveling of the world that led to the First World War. All the nations were in turmoil and they were in flux and there was problems and there was pressures, very similar to there are today. When this event took place, it began to unleash a war that could not be stopped. Watch how fast things began to move. June 28, 1940, the, the Hungarian Archduke Franz Ferdinand and his wife, Sofia Kotek, were assassinated by a, suburb, by a Bosnia Serb nationalist, Gorivolo, Princep from Austria, which suspects that Serbia was responsible. So he was from that nation, so therefore it must be that nation. On one day, now watch these dates. One month later, Austria-Hungary declared war on Serbia. In August, another month later, Germany declares war on Russia, France, and Belgium. Britain declared war on Germany. Austria-Hungary declares war on Russia. France and Britain declare war on Austria and Hungary. Japan declares war on Germany. Austria and Hungary declares war on Belgium. All of this taking place from that one event, and that all took place in just two months. Could it happen that fast again? You betcha. It could happen even faster in the day we live today. The United States declared itself neutral. Just leave us alone. Kind of like we feel today when the rest of the world is going to, to who knows from what. The United States says, well, just leave us alone. We just want to do our own thing. Well, that's not going to be possible, not in the next war that's coming. So now, the, the event. So what triggered the next war and what began to change the rest of the world that opened the door for such unrest? The Scopes Monkey Trial, believe it or not. You began to see everything taking place and began to make its move around 1925. Mussolini began his control as the dictator. Adolf Hitler began his Nazi party. Japan was moving across the other countries, beginning to set itself in place to be able to attack into war. And here in the United States, we removed God. <coughs> Excuse me. For the first time as a nation, we began to open the door that God was not our creator, he was not our founder, and it was a monkey. That we came from evolution. By 1925, the evolution was already being taught in our schools and being accepted. From that time to today, that is a part of the science that is taught in schools, and God is forbidden to be taught. They will not allow that in schools anymore. Not in public schools, not anymore. In Exodus 20, verse 2 and 3, God says this, I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. And just as we did back in World War II, the United States has done it again. In 1971 to 73, we began to allow abortion to kill our babies, 
just like the pagan gods in the Old Testament. But 1915, the government says that it's okay to have gay marriage, discounting the marriage proclamation that God said from the beginning, it's not good that man should be alone, that one man and one woman, as he designed it. So man has set himself apart from what God had established from the beginning of creation. And so here we are again. People don't put these things together, but when you look at the events of the removal of God, you begin to see the, the, the being brought in of evil into that nation. Matthew 24, Luke 21, and Revelation 6 talks about false Christ, wars and rumors of wars, and pestilences. And if you go to read Revelation 6, there's something that comes along with these wars and rumors of wars. When that begins to sound its alarm, when that trump begins to sound, God says he begins to remove, remove peace from the earth. We are in that time right now, I believe. How long will it last? Well, I don't know. But God's giving us the warning of what's coming in. He's giving us a chance to see how bad things can get real fast. We've had World War I. We've had World War II. We've seen how the evil dictators and what happens to their nations. We looked at socialist nations and how poor they're performing in this day and time. We've seen a pestilence come in that's absolutely brought havoc and wrecked this entire world. Debt is climbing at an unprecedented rate. And peace is no longer to be found almost anywhere on this planet. So now... Let's take a look at this when we come back today. We're going to take a little break now. We're going to take a look at about an 11-minute segment from 1976 that talks about pestilence and what to expect in our planet coming up. So before we go there, we're going to take a break. I've got a video coming up we're going to talk about. It's called Foundations. And then when we come back, we're going to go through that video, Pestilence in the View, I'm going to Ted Armstrong from 19. 76. Let's take a break and I'll be right back in just a couple minutes.
Greetings and welcome back. Really, really a nice video on there. All right, let's go into our second portion of our program today. We're going to talk about the pestilences, the pear horse, and I'm going to bring a view from going to Ted Armstrong. Very powerful, very strong. The reason I'm bringing this to you today, because see, we stand on the, on the, on the edge of the potential of war. We are definitely having wars and rumors of wars, just like the Bible said. But one of the things that I've, I've done in my studies in history is try to look at what happens to a nation after the war. And if you look at, at the end of World War I, going into World War II, starvation was rampant across many of the European nations, and, and especially in the Russia. Tens of thousands, millions of people died of, of famine during those periods of time. And in, war, in, in, in Europe after World War II, you, you look at the, the nations, they're, they're just total devastation. There's no food, there's no infrastructure. You know, we went through that here in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. There was nothing. There's no stores open. There was no money. In Chalmette, a little community just south of here in New Orleans, all the way to the river, almost 60 miles down, not a single business open to produce anything. When those events happened following the war, <coughs> excuse me, it isn't over. What comes next is hunger because there's no food. And when a nation is weak and its supplies of food are bad, pestilence set in, sickness, disease, all come into play. So we're all going to see all of these events coming place in a very short span of time when these seals begin to unravel before Jesus Christ returns. But there is good news, whether you get through this or believe it or not, that Jesus Christ is going to come back despite man's desire to just destroy itself. He's going to come back and he's going to set this world straight again. He's going to give everyone an opportunity to be able to accept him in a world without Satan, without that dominance, power, and control of an evil dictator, Satan himself, bringing a humanity, the, res the, the resources of a happy and prevailing life for everyone. All right, so let's play that video, and I'll be back in, when it's over in about 11 minutes. Since the days of World War I, the pattern of disease in the Western world has taken a radically different turn. With the development of the vaccines, penicillin, streptomycin, and sulfa drugs, and other antibiotics, many infectious maladies no longer pose the threat they once did. Better living conditions, shorter working hours, and increased knowledge about health and sanitation have also played a vital part in that process. But as the incidence of infectious illness dropped, there came an almost corresponding rate in the rise of major degenerative disease like cancer, cardiovascular disorders, and chronic respiratory ailments. The number of walking wounded people cursed with some so-called civilized disease grows every year as we pay the penalties of a synthetic, artificial, sated lifestyle. In our country, in the United States alone, over 28 million Americans are afflicted with some form of, of serious debility like blood vessel heart disease. Almost four million have suffered from coronary attacks. One in six Americans and Canadians is afflicted by hypertension. Forty million are pain in varying degrees by arthritis. Four million by diabetes. Another five million who are potential candidates for insulin injections. Every year, more Americans die from cancer than were killed during the entire course of World War II. One million are currently under treatment for various malignancies. Another 49 million, roughly one out of every four, will eventually contract this degenerative disease. According to Lewis Herber, who is a leading expert on modern environmental problems, what this means in effect is that if it weren't for the extraordinary medical advances and great improvements in the material conditions of life, today's adult might well have a much shorter lifespan than his grandparents did. 
Herbert went on to say, it suggests that modern man would find it very difficult to survive outside a medical and pharmaceutical hothouse. Frederick F. Cartwright, author of Disease and History, likewise made a rather ominous sounding statement when he said, man must come to terms with himself. If he does not learn self-discipline, if he fails to solve the problems which he has created, then at least temporarily those problems will be solved for him. The solution will lie in the hands of one or all of his age-old enemies, famine, pestilence, and war, the horsemen of the apocalypse. Shocking words for people living in this modern space-age civilized Western world. These things are here now. The greater potential for them is here now. Well, we've always had disease, people can say. We've always had disorder. But does that mean then that these prophecies of the Bible will not happen? That these prophecies of Revelation 6 speak only of, of ongoing routine cyclical trouble? Or does it really refer, this pale horse of disease, to something far more ominous? It just so happens to be that we have already seen some of the most gruesome plagues in all of history, but we need now to ask about what, what happens from here. What about the future? We've looked at all of this in history. We've seen a little bit about the bubonic plague, but unfortunately, the pale horse, the last of those four, has yet to come in biblical prophecy. So let's take a look at some of the background forces that are setting the stage for that future event. As in the days of the Industrial Revolution, a tidal wave of rural dwellers is now almost lemming-like descending upon major metropolitan areas of the world. And most of the migrants are heading for urban centers known as these super cities that oftentimes can sprawl for 100 miles in all directions. Those that have gotten that big are reaching 9, 10, 12 million. In 1950, there were only two such cities, New York and London. Since that time, four more have been added to the 10 million plus, Tokyo, Shanghai, Peking, and Moscow. But by 1985, demographers estimate that 17 of these monster megalopolises will dot the face of the globe. And unfortunately, the lion's share of this urban implosion is not occurring in the industrial West, but in the poverty-stricken third world that can least afford it. The bulk of this urban influx consists of individuals known as squatters or slum dwellers, too. People live in these settlements at the lowest subsistence level, lacking basic services such as access to water, as I said. Garbage, sewage, and, and all of this disposal is, is not there. Living accommodation horribly overcrowded. No protection from the elements. Surrounded by densely packed micro-environment, which provides a fertile breeding ground for vermin and pestilence of every kind. In terms of sheer physical destructiveness and disease-carrying potential, the rat rates as the number one enemy of mankind, the lord of the urban underworld, a lover of filth, darkness, and refuse. He is a known vector for 35 different diseases, including bubonic plague, jaundice, typhoid, and trichinosis. The world rat population is put in the neighborhood of 3.5 to 4 billion, almost one rat for every human being. India alone is suspected of harboring some 2.4 billion of these ravenous rodents. And the United States, by comparison, hosts a modest population of about 100 million. Rats can develop immunity, by the way, to standard poisons, even like arsenic and strychnine, within a few generations. Even warfarin, 
The pesticide hailed a sure death to rats is now losing some of its potency and punch. Warfarin was designed to kill rats by preventing their blood from coagulating, but now a generation of immune super rats is spreading in both the United States and Europe. And with them, every step of the way, go germs and parasites. How well is this civilized world prepared to combat this rat invasion? Although various vaccines and antibiotics have been responsible for significant gains in the battle against disease, some of these successes have come at a terrible price. In the late 1960s, bacteriologists discovered that bacteria subjected to drug treatment had the ability to infect their microbial cousins with multiple drug resistance. Researchers found that pathogens of the plague, typhoid, fever, cholera, and dysentery were among those that could quickly acquire the resistance factor. As one medical doctor stated, and I quote, unless we put a halt to the prodigal use of antibiotics and synthetic drugs, we may soon be forced back into the pre-antibiotic era of medicine. With problems of this magnitude, the potential for massive disease epidemic already lies seething just beneath the surface. The symbolic rider apparently has already mounted the pale horse of the apocalypse. This horseman, the fulfillment of this mysterious biblical prophecy is going to be the greatest catastrophe ever to confront the human race. In Revelation 6 and verse 8, John writes, and I'm going to quote, I looked and behold a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death. And hell, the Greek word is Hades, it means the grave, followed him. And power was given unto them or on, over them to kill the fourth part of the earth, to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. Here is a prophecy that says during the time where we on this earth have four billion people and are supposed to double to eight billion in only 35 more years, there's a potential for a quarter of all of humanity to die in disease epidemics. And according to the Olivet Prophecy, this is only the beginning of sorrows, Matthew 24 and verse 8, and much more is to follow as the world moves into the darkest moments of all of our history. Jeremiah called it the time of Jacob's trouble in Jeremiah 30 and verse 7. And Christ himself said, and I quote, There will be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world, no, nor ever shall be, meaning a time without parallel, without precedent in the history of the earth. Now, whatever future role disease plays in precipitating these great prophetic events, it's obvious from the prophecies that if there weren't going to be a supernatural intervention from God personally to put a stop, to the continually escalating round of war, famine, and disease that will engulf all of this planet, then humanity would not survive. Jesus said in the Olivet Prophecy, For the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. God has promised He will not permit mankind to cross that cosmic fail-safe point into extinction. He is going to intervene. He is going to cut off world events short of that disaster. He said, except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved alive. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. How would you like to be one of those elect? Well, through these four programs on the four horsemen of the apocalypse, we've illustrated the tragic results of disobedience to living laws as portrayed by Bible prophecy. But these events, as I've said repeatedly, are conditional. They don't have to happen. God's hand is not short that He cannot prevent it, that He can't save. Prophecies have failed, as the Apostle Paul says, in the past. They can fail in the future. They don't have to happen here. We don't have to suffer the ravages of warfare. 
of starvation, of disease. Anciently, God instructed the people of newborn nations and in individual decisions they could make that would preserve the collective security of their country. He gave us a challenge in Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, in verse 19, when he said, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death. He says, I set before you blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose. But he doesn't just say choose, take your pick. He says, choose life, will you please? Choose life that both you and your seed may live. God's law is the way of life, of health, of happiness, of the right way to live. If we individually choose that way of life, then we individually reap the rewards of that way of life. If enough of, of us collectively will choose that way of life, then the entire nation can be saved. The prophetic warnings are conditional, based upon our own performance. It's up to us one way or the other. We can be saved from these four horsemen, and our nation can be saved if we will meet those conditions. Well, welcome back. Everything he said then, 1976, is more true for you and I today. We do not have to go through what this world is going to go through. You do not have to go through what this world is going to go through. Jesus Christ offers us a way, and he tells us, choose life. That's what our program is all about is given an opportunity for all those that God is calling for this world to be able to turn around so they don't have to go through what they're going to go through if they don't. All right, let's begin to wrap it up. Tough program today, very, very tough program. All right, so let's begin to wrap it up from uh, the home office. Two videos going out this week. The first one is part three of the Mardi Gras connection to Easter and Christmas. Great, great series there. And then the second sermon is True Law and Order by Chuck Hunt Jr. on the mail going out this past week. If you live in the Syracuse area, by, by all means, you can go to an open house. They have been doing once a month, uh, running ads in the paper. Might be something you might want to consider in your area. They've been running ads to invite the general public in to meet the brethren. So they've been doing that, and there's, this is the second month they're doing it. They're having taco dinner. Taco dinner out there. And they've actually, God's blessed them to be able to have the news editor up there. One of the editors from the newspaper has actually been writing to give them very favorable responses in the newspaper. <laughs> what a difference. And he's actually visited the church on services on two occasions. So continue to pray for them. And hopefully this week they'll bring in some, some more people to come by to visit what they're doing. And uh, we'll need to keep them in our prayers while that's going on. Also, new for the church, all right, we have Instagram, all right, this is all new to me, all this technology for these new face, you know, Facebook and all this other stuff. Well, this one's called Instagram. So this comes out every day. There'll be little things coming out that you can be a part of. You can, you can go in, you can look, you can be inspired. You might want to add something. It says all you need to do, I hope I got this right. We'll tell you more about this next week as we're going. Maybe show you a little, little clips from the, from the website. So if this is for your, your phone, handheld devices, for your computer, for a tablet. So this is modern technology here. All you need to do is you go online and get a free Instagram app. You have to go, when you get your app, you'll have to set up an account, put in your email and a password. So if you want to find our page, once you got it all set up or you already got an account, simply go to, all right, at the top of the bar, you'll scroll and search, type in the Cogme, 
C-O-G-M-I, Church of God Ministries International. Just type in the Cogme and you can access our account on, uh, on Instagram. And every day there's a scripture for the day and there's all kind of wonderful and encouraging things that you can find on that, on that site. But we'll tell you more about it as we go. All right, so uh, I'm looking forward to that myself. Tomorrow, this Saturday, I'm doing part two of walking in the footsteps of Jeremiah. I, I wish I could tell you it's going to live stream. We're going to try to live stream it. Cox Cable still hasn't fixed it. We've been talking to their regional support team and now the national support team. And we've been doing this for two months and they've been sending people out every week. They still have not fixed their problem. So I hope that if you do tune in, that it will work. But if not, uh, Jeff goes home. He spends his Saturday afternoons and his evenings refixing everything, taking everything he tapes here, brings it home, re-renders it all in the proper format and puts it online. Sometimes it's 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning that he's working to get all this done. But sometime later that evening or the next day, this sermon will be available. Also, we'll be mailing it out if you re request it. You can call in or you can write in and get it. And we also send a card out for Jeremiah. We will be sending if we haven't sent it yet so that you can get that sermon. It is probably, I feel like, the, one of the most important series that I've done to date for the Church of God Ministries International. All right, that's it for our program. But as always, we want to close our program with one more upbeat video to close our program. So take a look at this video and I'll be right back to close our program. carry that beat on the rest of the day <laughs> all right that's it for our program today thanks again for watching and I want to thank all of you who, who not only uh, write in and call in but who financially support to keep the work going I think you see today especially how important the message is that we get that message out time is moving quickly 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 all right as we close our program as we tell you each and every week be sure to share this with everyone you know they're going to love you for it or not. Till next week, God be with you.